Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Around the Pool edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hami Media. Now, if this is your first time joining us around the pool, let me explain to you how this works. Uh, these are not our predictions on the show tonight. Uh, we've all heard the stories of Vince and the creative team sitting around the pool making pitches as to how they think the show should go down. So this is Rick and I's opportunity to pitch to the man himself how we think the existing pre-booked card should go down. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. We're talking creative. We're talking the business behind the business that is this crazy world known as professional wrestling. You can contact the show on Twitter at HGMPWPod. Find us on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'm sick as hell. I'll be your host for the day. I'm joined, as always, alongside the arm to my tully, RBV Rick. Welcome to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that R to the B to the V. Uh, I'm ready for a great hashtag Sunday fun day with Jargo, uh, like you said. Man, you haven't been having the best weekend, have you? No, man, it's been rough, man. It's been a lot of NyQuil and muscle relaxers, and it, it's been a rough weekend. Me and the wife are both down with the flu, but, you know. Well, uh, you know, a tough break, but you, you mentioned the wife there, so I, I just want to a very happy anniversary to the two of you celebrating five years of marriage together. I uh, just want everyone out there to, to in on that and hopefully they all jump on board and wish you a happy anniversary. You know, what's pretty awesome is uh, my wife is cool enough that what she wanted to do for our anniversary was go see the new star Wars movie. That, that was going to be my next question. I guess without ruining it for anyone out there that hasn't seen it yet. Uh, no spoilers, please. I mean, how was it? What was your take? Um, I'm very, very torn. I left with a lot more questions than answers, and that makes me sit a little bit uneasy going into episode nine. Anybody who okay. wants to discuss it, feel free. Shoot me a PM. I will be more than happy to talk Star Wars with you. I've seen, you know, anyone that's listened to the show, and you know this, uh, I am not into the Star Wars universe. Uh, I have actually never even seen a single one of the movies in its entirety. Uh, outside of the original three, I have no idea what happens in the storyline. But as I go through my social media feeds, it really seems that this really was a home run or almost a miss for people. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a Star Wars movie be so divisive inside of the, the actual diehard Star Wars fan base community. It's interesting. Well, so is this, there's one more coming then? There's and, and, and that. Well, I mean, That'll there's going to be several more Star Wars movies, but I mean, as far as this saga goes, there's one more in episode nine, but there will be a new Star Wars movie next year. That's like a Han Solo spinoff solo. Okay. Movie. So now, now we're getting into the spinoffs and all this other nonsense. Right. Right. All right. Whatever you Maybe guys Maybe I should like do a there. Star Wars fucking podcast. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But so today it's around the pool. Jargo, um, Jargo and Chewy. <laughs> this one was a struggle for me, guys. Um, I'm I, number one. I am just not into this show. I am not into this build. I feel like crap. So Rick had this idea that he was going to reach out to you, our listeners, for your thoughts as well as how you think this show should go down. And we've got some audio clips. We're going to kind of sprinkle those in throughout the show. And uh, let's have a little bit of fun because I have a feeling tonight we're all going to want to just listen to this podcast and be like, damn, I wish I would have watched that show instead of what I just saw. Hey, uh, you know, we've some of our great friends out there in the wrestling circles that we run in. They they contributed, as you were saying there. 
They've, they've got some great takes, man. They, they, they booked some solid matches here. I know you're not so big on it. When these shows you come in with not a lot of, of the hype and that, not a lot of that that you're invested into, I kind of look forward to those because you can have a lot of fun here. I'm actually looking forward to laying out my show uh, and having heard what, what, what our listeners, our, our friends have contributed. Great stuff there. But, man, I, I think I've got this thing nailed. I think I've got a solid show ready for everyone. I mean, just to let everybody know how shitty I feel today, I actually went to watch the New Japan show this morning and fell asleep. Because, like, that's that's how out of it I am right now. So, I'm sorry, I haven't listened to any of these clips yet. And uh, I have very, very little written as far as what I would do on this show. But I think I got some good stuff, too. I'm pretty sure between Rick and I, we'll come up with a good show here. So, let's start off with the pre-show. Because I know, Rick, you and I, we both always put a lot of emphasis on the pre-shows. Uh, the only show, or the only match announced on this show is Mojo versus Ryder. Uh, you and I were both intrigued, and we were like, oh, they are in Boston. It's Mojo. We can get Gronk in the house. And then we found out that the Patriots play in Pittsburgh at like 3.45 in the afternoon. There's just no way that's going to work. So what what did you do with this match? Well, I, I know uh, our friend, the wrestling redneck, he helped us out with this match. Uh, he had a great deal of energy with it. And he pretty much has Mojo going over here. He's going to keep riding uh, that young man, uh, riding that Mojo train. He sees the upside there. He doesn't see so much going forward more with Ryder. Uh, so he wants to kick, you know, get, I guess, the, the physicality portion, the head-to-head competition portion of this feud. He's going to give that first, that first notch, that first W to Mojo. Let's kick it over to the redneck. What is up, everybody? Uh, Colin Weissong here, one of the members of the Hameen Media Discussion Group. Um, Michael Jargo and Rick Vickery have asked me to uh, book Mojo Raleigh versus Zack Ryder, and I don't think I can do that justice. So I know someone who can easily do justice for booking this match. Um, let me go on ahead and introduce you to my friend, um, Wrestler Redneck. Redneck, say hello to everybody. Hey y'all, it's Wrestling Redneck. I'm sure y'all remember me from that uh that other wrestling thing that we used to do. Um, I'm honored to be here to to book Mojo Raleigh versus Zack Ryder in the pre-show. Uh, I feel like I've been booked for the pre-show, but let's go on ahead and get into this. Um, you know, the lead up to a lot of this stuff is uh, Mojo Raleigh seems like he's probably gonna go over. Uh, I don't know if Zack Ryder's gonna leave leave or not, but uh, I have a feeling that that with the end of these two guys. Um, we could see Zack Ryder ride off into the sunset and maybe go and do something in TNA with with Laurel Van Ness. Or maybe we see Laurel Van Ness come over to WWE, and after this match we get Zack Ryder and Laurel Van Ness uh, teaming up in the, the mixed match classic that we got coming up. But, but honestly, I maybe we see Gronkowski come in and interfere in this match. Um, the way they've booked everything, I, I clearly see Mojo going over Zack Ryder in this match. Um, I, I just don't see any more use for, for Zack Ryder. It seems like they've got this big push behind Mojo Raleigh. Um, again, I don't know where I could see Mojo going unless they do bring in Gronkowski. Uh, he's definitely uh, somebody that the WWE really likes, and every time they bring in Mojo, they, they always bring up the fact that Rob Gronkowski is one of his good friends. So, uh, so yeah, so the pre-show for Clash of Champions, I definitely got Mojo Raleigh uh, – Going over huge, uh, Zack Ryder, um, and and 
we see them splitting up, going their own separate ways. Mojo Riley probably possibly becoming a great uh, single superstar, and uh, Zach Ryder hanging out with Laurel Van Ness. I as well would put Mojo over in this match, uh, but uh, it but it really doesn't matter whether Mojo wins, Mojo loses, as long as Mojo goes over in the end. Well, see, I, I have this thing. Here's how I have this going. Uh, I have Mojo out uh, in a Gronk jersey. Nice. Uh, he's going to kind of go for that, you know, that that little cheap pop. Uh, the Boston, that area, their Patriots. See, now, there. Th- this is my question here is we know that Mojo is the heel in this situation, but we also mm. know that they're just outside of Boston. We know that Gronk is buddies with Mojo. Is this crowd going to cheer Mojo? Well, here's, here's what I got. You know, I think just, just seeing anything there, uh, Patriot wise, they're, they're going to get a pop from it. Yeah. But do you want Mojo cheered? That's the problem. Well, well, hear me out here. So Mojo comes out. Uh, he's going to cut a little pre-match promo. He's going to remind us how how Ryder was holding him back, uh, and he's going to say he only needs those who truly support him in his corner. Uh, then he goes on to talk about his friendship with Gronk. What is what that's meant to him? Then we get the twist. Uh, he says he requested his friend to be here tonight, but Gronk showed his true colors. And as you can see, is nowhere to be found. He's not even going to mention that he's actually off playing a game at Pittsburgh. He's going to put it on this this low life. He said he was my friend. He was supporting me. And he can't even show up to my biggest moment on the Clash of Champions pay-per-view where I'm going to – I'm not – this isn't about closing out 2017. This is about starting 2018 is the year of Mojo. Well done. He's going to start getting that heat. Well done. Uh, Well done. You you, you still frame Gronk as a baby face in Boston where you know they're going to cheer Gronk anyway, and Mojo still gets his heat. Very well well done. I I want him laying into Gronk, the Boston fans. I want him to go as far as to rip off the Patriots jersey and stomp it into the mat. That's great. Well done, Rick. Well done. Uh, so then at this point, you have writer's music hit, right? So just by association with, not that they're so much invested in writer, but you know, fans still care about him. He gets a decent pop. But we're hoping that he's going to get even a bigger pop because he's here to interrupt Mojo disrespecting the Patriot jersey. <laughs> uh, so you, you mean to tell me that the people from Boston are going to cheer a guy from Long Island over, I know it's just crazy. I mean, you framed it perfectly, man. It's just that Boston crowd, you know. That's well, great. Then, well, then I'm not really gonna let them settle in and figure out. Hey, we don't really like either of these guys. I'm not really gonna have let give them time to turn on the match, even though this is a pre-show match. You know, the importance might not be there. I'm not gonna give them an opportunity to turn on this thing. This match is never gonna happen. Uh, Mojo is going to viciously attack Ryder as he's coming down the aisle. Uh, we're going to get a ringside beatdown, and Mojo's just going to leave. We're not even going to have a match. Interesting. So you're you're basically just prolonging this entire feud. Yeah. Uh, these these guys need something going forward. Um, and to me, this is going to be one of those low to mid card feuds that you can kind of just use as filler for a couple months. It's not because you know they don't have anything for them exclusively beyond this until uh, late February, early March for Fastlane. I would try to do some kind of a Gronk pre-tape. I mean, everybody knows Gronk's not going to be there, but I would try to get some kind of a Gronk pre-tape. Uh, see, I, I, 
with the promo I got laid out, I don't even want him anywhere near it. Uh, and then I don't even want Mojo even acknowledging that he's in Pittsburgh. Just make it like he didn't even think of me to show up enough of me to show up. I've got Gronk. I, well, I should say I've got Mojo going over by Gronk. You remember you remember our conversation from a couple of weeks yes. ago? Forearm yes, to the yes. back of the head. That's the yep. Gronk. That's how I've got Mojo going over. Uh, the only other thing that I really had as far as going on on this pre-show, I want to see Brian and Shane interact backstage. And they're kind of bickering back and forth about this two-referee thing. And I want to see Jinder Mahal interject into this conversation. Interesting. Well, what do you have that going there, man? Well, because I want Brian and Shane to come to the decision that AJ Styles was right. And tonight it will be AJ versus Jinder Mahal one-on-one. The Singh brothers are barred from ringside. Oh, okay. I like that there. I like that Jinder there. storms out. Brian turns to Shane and says... I expect that same kind of unity in the ring tonight. And Brian leaves. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I don't have gender involved there. But you, you know me in my pre-shows, so bear with me. I've got a few bullet points here. Uh, via WWE.com, immediately over the course of this weekend, uh, through .com, through social media, hitting all the dirt sheets, spread the word, get it out there at the top, at the kickoff, of the Clash kickoff show, uh, we're going to get exclusive footage of Daniel Bryan and Shane having a sit-down. Uh, this will be advertised as their first face-to-face since Daniel Bryan announced himself as that second referee. So we're, we're getting a little hype as we're going in there, right? Interesting. We both went to that. Uh, my setting is different. I do not have this at the arena. Yeah, uh, no, but we both had that same idea that we've got to do this on the pre-show. We've got to get yes. Shane and Brian in the same room at the same time having some kind of a conversation. Well, the way I kind of envision this one is we're obviously going to have a pre-tape. And this meeting is going to be taking place in a, you know, a real swanky, high-end high hotel lounge. Uh, we're going to get a different camera shot. What I'm thinking is maybe something that's similar to what we get from the quote-unquote real-life style television programs. Maybe something similar like to The Office where it's not your typical WWE shot. And and believe me, we are not going to zoom in and pick up on Shane on his damn cell phone. Okay, <laughs> uh, But Shane's going to be at a private table enjoying a drink. Uh, Brian's going to approach and Shane was going to be seated there. Brian's going to approach and extend his hand to, to greet Shane. Uh, Shane's going to kind of dismiss it and just ask Brian to sit down. We're, so we're getting some tension right away. Uh, throughout the segment, like I said, there's going to be obviously be some tension between the two. Uh, they go back and forth about recent lack of communication and each kind of feels that the other is trying to one up the other. Uh, in the end says, uh, ultimately he is in charge and by night's end, he wants KO and Zane gone from the WWE. Interesting. Interesting. Now, this is, at the, this is at the top of our kickoff. Now, we come in and we kick it to our panel. Uh, obviously, they're going to be buzzing about this speculation. Uh, what is going on? Are we at a boiling point between these two? What is happening? Uh, then throughout the rest of that show, I have two other just points of interest. Uh, at what is This is going to happen first uh, between these two. Uh, at the arena, Shane is found unconscious in his dressing room. Uh, and it's obvious. An obviously, it's an attack. Okay, you have my intrigue here. Uh, then, probably closer to we just go live at Clash, 
Uh, Daniel Bryan receives a notice that there is an emergency involving Bree and Birdie. Uh, he attempts to make a few phone calls. He has no luck in any service. Uh, so he has to, he is forced to leave the arena. Tremendous. So we have both Shane and Brian taken out. Correct. Interesting. That That is my setup and my match outcome. And as we'll share here, the wrestling redneck, how he would book the pre-match. Uh, so, yeah, that's our pre-show. So let's jump into the main card. Uh, Rick, let's, let's run down. How do you have your card formatted? I'll give you how I have my card formatted, and then we'll go back and we'll kind of talk about all the matches individually. Okay. Uh, I am going to open up my main show with the, uh, the Bludgeon Brothers, uh, Harper and Rowan taking on Bree, Bree Zango, uh, Tyler Breeze and Fandango. That's going to be my opener. Uh, in the two-hole, I have the U.S. Championship triple threat with Corbin, Ziggler, and Rude. Uh, going third, I am going to go with the uh, the tag championship, Fatal 4-Way. Fourth, I have the women's championship lumberjack match. Uh, of course, my Char-Char will be defending against Natalia in that match. Uh, then I have Styles versus Jinder for the WWE championship. And then I'm going to close out the event with the, uh, the most hyped about which would be the big tag bout with Nakamura and Orton taking on KO and Zayn with our double referees, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. Um, our cards are creepily the same uh, with the one exception uh, where I have the opening match being the WWE championship, AJ Styles versus Jinder Mahal. I, I would bookend the show. If you're not going to have the title close, have the title open. So I, I run down the card, Styles versus Mahal, U.S. Championship, Tag Team Championship, Women's Championship, Breezango versus Bludgeon Brothers, Orton and Nakamura versus Owens and Zane. So we really just have two two matches out of line there. Yep, we just have those two matches flipped. Kind of what, what you were thinking, bookending it with uh, the two big marquee matches, I was booking booking the the clash part with the non championship matches. Interesting, interesting. It, I think the way that they format the card tonight is going to be very, very intriguing because if you put Orton and Nakamura versus Owens and Zayn after Styles and Mahal, that's going to be a very disappointing match. I feel like you have to have a come down match after Styles versus Mahal. Because Styles is that fucking good. Well, you don't think we'll have like a half hour of promo packages for that? Probably, probably. <laughs> well, let's let's kick All things right, bro, off. Where, where do you want to start? Let's kick things off with the Gooch. Let's let's toss it over to the Gooch. Let's get the Gooch's thoughts on Brizango versus the Bludgeon Brothers. What's going on, gang? It's the Gooch here for the Hacker Media Group and hitting the marks. Uh, I'm going to talk about. Brizango versus the Bludgeon Brothers. The way I see this match playing out, or the way you know, the way I would do it, would be I like Brizango and all, but for the Bludgeon Brothers, they need to keep squashing people. So I would, unfortunately, I'd have them get out there and uh, start out running around the ring, catches catch Ken, you know, running between the legs, doing all the thing, you know, get a couple hits in, back off, come back and. Uh, then finally, the Bludgeon Brothers just get their hands on them, 
and put him up in that big cross powerbomb gimmick and, you know, take it home from there. But also what I would do is I would then bring out the Ascension. You know, the Bludgeon Brothers are basically what the Ascension should have been a few years ago. And I would bring these guys out with the music and the whole nine yards. And you're thinking these two big, powerful teams are going to start smashing off. And then we job out the Ascension, too. So you get two for the price of one, making these guys look even more devastating. So, yeah, that's how I see it. And unfortunately, it won't happen that way. But thanks, guys. Work hard, eat right, and let's get there. So I would just like to add that funeral services for Tyler will be held Tuesday in Newark, New Jersey. I was going to say, just as everyone heard there, man, Gooch is going to, he's going to keep riding that Bludgeon Brother train. Uh, he, he knows the push, how important it is. So they, they're going over strong here. Uh, pretty much they're squashing Brizango and then their, their best friends, the Ascension, trying to intervene on their behalf. And they also, they also feel the, the mighty power of the Bludgeon Brothers. I think that's the most logical place, and I made this comment to you a couple of weeks ago that this is how we get to Ascension versus the Bludgeon Brothers. Um, I would have the Ascension save Deputy Dango, you know, so only only Tyler gets murdered in cold blood, you know, so we save Deputy Dango. Uh, as we all know that the only real death inside of the Fashion Files is, well, your career. Uh Ascension versus Bludgeon Brothers program going forward. That's kind of what we've been calling for for several weeks now. Yeah, and I'm going a little bit a different direction uh, than you and Gooch there. Uh, I'm, I'm not really going to have anything between the Ascension and the Brothers physically yet. Uh, but first off, you know, I, I want to start. I know everyone out there, the majority probably are going to be rooting for Breezango. You know, they've, they've got a great fan base. But, it, you know, in that same breath, Everyone pretty much has to realize the correct move here is what where the push is, is you have to keep Harper and Rowan looking strong. Absolutely. So I do have a way to get to get a pop and continue to have the fan support behind behind Breezango. And I'm going to start off the show, obviously, after the routine packages highlighting the marquee matchups. Uh, but the actual in arena, we are going to get. Uh, of entrance for Breeze and Fandango, they're going to spoof the old police squad or the naked gun entrance theme. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, there? I know exactly uh, what you're the, talking the about. The little light on top of the police car that's driving through all sorts of crazy landscapes and settings. Tremendous. Uh, so I'm going to have this thing going all all through Boston, man, hitting all the little markets, the arenas. Like you can make like going right down. You have a clip where. The Celtics are actually playing, and you've got Kyrie like at the line shooting a free throw, and here comes their car right through the lane. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so they're going to do all that crazy stuff. They're going to take that right to the arena and right into the ring. So we are going to get a classic Breezango uh, moment there. I just, uh, I, I hate seeing Breezango sacrificed just meaninglessly here. <laughs> Uh, but, but from there, I do have this essentially being an ass-kicking. It's going to be uh, a squash. It's going to uh, be a squash. But then post-match, where maybe they are looking to actually like ultimately finish off Breezango, uh, post-match, I'm going to have up on the Titantron, 
I want a very dark and mysterious video, a very NXT familiar ascension. Uh, and the main and the main point there is the time for jokes is over, and we they are back to being themselves. Uh, what we have never seen on Raw and SmackDown, we're going to get that true ascension gimmick, uh, and they are targeting Harper and Rowan. Yeah, they have really dropped the ball with the ascension. I mean, they they JBL basically buried the ascension during their entrance for their debut match. Yeah, and, and they, I don't think they've ever really got what what they were. And NXT, so you know what? I'm gonna pull the trigger. You know what? We're gonna start going in that direction, and we're gonna we're gonna fire up a program between these two monster teams, and it's gonna be a classic, you know, classic throwback to like demolition and the powers of pain. I mean, it's just gonna be some ass kickers. Let's jump over to the U.S. title match: Baron Corbin versus Dolph Ziggler versus Bobby Roode. We've got our boy William Alicia with his thoughts on the match. Let's go to William on the spot. Hey guys, love the work you're doing on hitting the hitting the marks podcast. Um, this is William Elisea, and I uh, just wanted to go over my match here, the triple threat match between Corbin, Rude, and Ziggler. Uh, the way I see it, um, I would have Rude over Strong, and I would wind up turning Rude into a heel by the end of the match. Um, we would start off with the match with Corbin coming out first. Uh, get his grandiose entrance there, and then Ziggler coming out next. Um, once Ziggler music plays, and then we wind up getting that little scratch of the record where it winds up going silent. He walks down, boom! Right from behind, Ziggler come. Uh, Rude comes from behind him, and smashes him right over the head. Okay, um, yeah, we don't get a glorious entrance in this this time around. Uh, Ziggler goes to the back, you know, he's helped by medics, then the match ensues between Corbin and Rude, um, sometime throughout the match, you know, we see a bunch of heelish type of, um, maneuvers, heelish type tactics from Rude, and we wind up having Corbin, you know, smash at the ring post, he gets out, um, <clears throat> in the midst of that, Ziggler comes right back into the ring, um, you know, the, the whole usual spill with the medics trying to keep him back, he comes back in, Trying to make a valiant effort, um, but he winds up failing. Rude wind, winds up hitting him with uh, with three glorious DDTs just to put that, just to cement that he's got hand injury and just he's done. Gets him for the pin, boom! Bobby Rude wins. Bobby Rude winds up getting Corbin out of the out from the floor, gives him three more glorious DDTs. Okay, he's not done with Ziggler. After that. Gets him a couple more times, boom. Now you have glorious Bobby Roode from NXT heel. There you go. All right, so William thinks that Bobby Roode is going over in this match, taking the U.S. title from Baron Corbin. I'm really, really torn on this match, man. I have nothing written out for the creative here because I'm, I was looking at the SmackDown roster and I just don't know where in the world they go here. The mid-card on SmackDown is non-existent. This is your mid-card. Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, and Baron Corbin. Well, I don't I, know where you, you go from here. Unless how you, do you, Sorry about that. How do you feel about uh, what Will was saying there? Roode goes over, but with the heel turn. Well, and I was trying to figure out how I could do this. How I could turn Bobby Roode heel and turn Dolph Ziggler babyface inside of a triple threat match with Baron Corbin. That was my original idea 
going into this match. But trying to pull a double turn inside of a triple threat seems... I mean, the double turn is the unicorn of professional wrestling. It's very, very rare and very, very random. And even when you get one, it's really hard to get a good one. But trying to do it inside of a triple threat match? I don't know, man. Well, yeah, I think with your idea of trying to do the double, uh, much more difficult task to achieve than with Will just having the one turn. Man, and I'll, I'm with you. I feel kind of bad. I, I, I put some, some serious thought into a lot of these matches. Uh, but this actually, because I've got so much going on elsewhere and there's bigger stories developing, this becomes a match uh, that I hate to use the term throwaway, but essentially that's what it becomes in, in my booking scenario. Not that I don't want to give it attention and, and make it the best possible match that they can put on out there. So essentially with this one, it pretty much comes down to I go to the agent, I go to the talent, say, hey, you guys got 12 minutes. Go out there and do what you do best. Uh, put on a great show. In the end, I have uh, Corbin going over. He retains. But as you were saying, where do they go forward here? Essentially, I, I have them going forward as what we thought this would be until they just, you know, abruptly out of nowhere slid Ziggler into the scenario. I have Bobby Roode seemingly picking up the victory over Ziggler. Corbin comes in and actually steals the pin on him. Uh, so going forward, you can you can continue on with Baron Corbin versus Bobby Roode. Yeah, because there's especially on the babyface side when you look at the the SmackDown mid card, it's slim pickings, not a whole lot there unless you do this Rusev Day act as a singles. But I like it better as a tag team. Yeah, especially for the time being. And, and, you know, just to kind of wrap up this match here, you know, the question is, okay, where does Ziggler go from here? Man, there has been a lot of talk recently with, uh, you know, NXT seriously being elevated to its own brand status where it's, you know, kind of away from that stigma of development. I would, man, I would kind of flirt with sending Ziggler down there for a stint. Uh, I, I just think with his, you know, his character work that those talents down there, especially those that are learning the WWE style could gain a lot from him. And it'd be something fresh, something really fresh for him. If you're trying to just keep these three in that holding pattern, I could see them putting the title on Ziggler here. So you still have the heel champion. You're still against Bobby Roode as your baby face chasing as Corbin really done anything with that title? I think it's, you know, not getting into what we think they will do. It, from my perspective, I'm booking this here. Corbin is still a priority. He is still fresh with that championship. Let's keep it on him for the time being. I don't know. No, I, no I, need for a shakeup. I feel like a pivot to Ziggler would not surprise me if they're trying to reestablish Ziggler inside of this storyline. That would not surprise me. I could see well, that. And, I could see them I, making a case for that. As I've said, I've got other more important goals to achieve on this card. Uh, and this, this match is just not amongst them. So I don't want to do anything major with it. If it uh, was me, solid match. if it was me, the only place I would be sending Dolph Ziggler is to the commentary table to replace Corey Graves. So Corey is exclusively on raw again. Uh, let's talk about the tag match. We have the Usos versus the new day versus Rusev day versus, are you ready for it? Stellar Nebula. How would you come up with that? It's it's two stars colliding. 
It's called a stellar nebula. Uh, you and your names, man. I'm telling you, that's 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 my working title now. Stellar Nebula, Gable and Benjamin. Uh, we don't want to throw anyone under the bus. Uh, as our recording, we do not have our sound cut yet for this match from from one of our great contributors. Uh, so we'll just jump right into it here. Uh, there's a reason that I said I would not have a, a title change happen with the U.S. Championship. Uh, because in the next match, I have this one going on, and I do have uh, title changing hands. Oh, my gosh. If the title is changing hands, it can only be to one team. It can uh, only well, be to one team. Well, you get to think about this match, too. I mean, this is going to be like one of those beautiful disasters. Uh, the rules here are a bit hectic with four competitors uh, being in the ring at once. See, that's which- what I'm not clear on is how is this match being formatted? Yeah, the, the way that, that they are describing this is uh, it will be you'll start off with four in the ring and you can only tag in your partner. So it's, uh, have, it's a fatal four way. It's a fatal four way, a fatal four way tag team match. Yeah, but you well, can only like fatal, tag your. OK, yeah. So I think this is pretty much. Well, isn't it just a matter of time? They have this kind of the silly stipulation here. Uh, but we know what happens in these matches. It's going to be within two minutes. That, it's a car wreck. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, hell breaks loose, you know? I feel uh, like Rusev Day needs the win here. Hey, man. That's what, you know, looking at how this thing has been booked, uh, you would have to say through booking logic, the way they built this up, Rusev Day does not have a chance. They've been going over strong against all the other competitors in this match. Uh, so I'm going to go with the swerve, and I'm going to put the belts on him. Rusev in English, take the SmackDown championship. Take the championship. I, the, the tag division on SmackDown. I mean, the Usos are legit. New Day is debatable. Rusev Day is a comedy act. And then Stellar Nebula is just kind of lost in the shuffle. I don't even know what to do with those guys. Uh, you know, with... With Gable and Benjamin, I just don't think the time is right for them to pull the trigger on. To me, it just reminds of how they jumped the gun with American Alpha. Yeah, very much so. Uh, so that's why I steered away from them. Uh, New Day, I am sorry. I know they're still moving merch. Things are still great there. I, I'm not looking for a hard break, but I do think it is time to finally pull the trigger and have them begin uh, floating apart from one another. And then you have the Usos who got the AJ Styles babyface turd. Well, and if, if the Usos go over, or what, the, what the hell does that leave them? They just beat three of your top contenders. Bludgeon Brothers? Uh, so, by logic, the only ones that would even be that would be ready for such a jump would be the Bludgeon Brothers. And if Do they you want really to blow your load have, on that already? Right. You don't want to go there. And they haven't really proven themselves against any of the actual teams of SmackDown. One thing that is for sure that I want to see tonight, Tyler Breeze needs to give Luke Harper a ticket for wearing that outfit. Uh, I could see him like trying to come out and write some tickets and then they just get their, get their butts kicked. But all right. So on this match, we both agree. We, we both have Rusev day going over the happiest Rusev day of all Rusev day claims the tag team titles. Uh, and then hey man, just think about the confetti falling from the ceiling. Uh, what a Rusev day celebration. It will be on Tuesday. Let's go over to your precious Shar Shar versus Natalia 
in the how do we get all the women in one match segment, also known as the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues. Now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex, softer, prettier. Oh yeah, this be Mikey G, and I'm coming to you all live from up in the club where every Sunday it's two for one chub rub lap dances. Now I understand my boys Jago and RBV, they need a little help booking tonight's SmackDown Live Women's Championship match. No, it is funny. Right now I'm in here in the club and I'm having a, a lumber gel match of my own. Two fine females on my lap and we are surrounded by six others so that if one falls off, they can toss, them, toss her right on back up here. You know, when, when booking the lady love the lovely ladies of the WWE, there is no no one better than Jersey. Now listen up because I'm about to hit you with a mic drop. You know, this match I'm gonna have mayhem break out. All the girls turn on Charlotte, but then Bailey Becky and my baby girl Sasha Banks come to the rescue. Thanks for having me on, guys. So that was the Jersey mic drop. Jersey, so, bringing it strong, man. I, I can't believe that. He's, he's got it. He, he somehow found a way to work Sasha Banks into this. Imagine stuff. that. Even on a SmackDown women's title match, Sasha Banks goes over. That's. Dude, early, early afternoon on a Sunday, and he, that is some devotion. He's up in the club already, man. Well, and it is Boss Town. Yes, yeah. Oh, yes. He's working it in. He's, oh, hey, he's, he's a fucking in. genius, man. I'm telling you, Jersey Mike is a genius. Whew. I got nothing. I got nothing. That's perfect. You, you, okay, man. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my best here. I, I'm gonna try to to, to top the. Uh, I, I guess he's right, man. When, when you need to book the lovely ladies of WWE, you turn to Jersey, right? Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go a little different. Uh, I'm going to have the Lumberjacks at, at ringside. We're going to get some serious issues. Uh, then, of course, all hell hell, hell is going to break loose with, with fights happening everywhere. Uh, we got action We got action spread out all around ringside. It's getting into the ring. And during all this mayhem, we still have a, a championship match going on. I'm going to uh, pull the trigger on it now. Carmella is going to insert herself into the match at this time. And, man, it kills me that I have to do this to my precious Shar Shar. But Carmella's going to end up taking the win. She's going she's gonna to get a pin on Natalia and become your new SmackDown Women's Division Champion. And it will be fabulous. Uh, then, you know, once again, we've got all hell breaking loose, which is going to continue to lay the groundwork uh, for the eventual women's royal rumble match it really seems like that's where all this is going doesn't it uh yeah well i mean you have just flat out brawls breaking out on each brand uh so yeah i want to throw a little swerve in here and get a get a pop and i kind of just want to get rid of that case before we start heading to wrestlemania season uh as everyone out there knows i am not a fan of money the bank i believe it's a gimmick that is terribly played out uh it needs to disappear for quite a while so let's toss it over to our boy, Evan Lopez. He's going to give you his breakdown for AJ Styles versus Jinder Mahal. Y'all, 
So how I would book uh, Mahomes versus Styles is I pretty much have the Singh brothers interfere in the match, you know, towards the end of the match. Then I uh, I have Nakamura come out and stop um, an attack, um, a two on one attack or three on one attack to be uh, more to you know uh, on Styles, and then I'd have Styles pretty much come back with you know with the help of Nakamura, uh, Styles Clash, uh, Mahal, then I'd have. Um, you know, I'll eventually have Nakamura versus Styles, but you know I'll keep on teasing it. You know, and I wouldn't have it on. Uh, I wouldn't have Nakamura and uh, Styles on. You know, SmackDown Live. I feel like you know it's really a big problem. But although you know it helps. Uh, I don't know viewership and whatnot. I feel like you know that would be pretty stupid to do. And then from a whole, that that's a, a different um you know smaller story. But uh, I don't know what I would do with him. But uh, but in regards to Styles and um, Mahal. That's how I would book it, uh, you know. I have a three-on-one attack, and then I'd have Nakamura come out. I have, you know, Nakamura clean house along with Styles. Then you know, I have Styles, Styles clash, and boom. And uh, that was the smart remark. Um, it was an absolute pleasure to come on uh, hitting the marks, and um, please. Uh, um, um, watch watch me on YouTube. I'm on YouTube at the Smart Remark, the Smart Remark. You know, and um, if you, if you don't, uh, you should uh, follow the link that they um put down in the um description or whatnot on this uh, podcast on Podbean, and you know definitely check me out. So um, bye. So that was our boy Evan. You can check out his YouTube channel, Adventures of Being a Smart. Isn't that what it's called? I think that's uh, right. Yes, yeah, or the smart remark. The smart remark, that's it. Sorry, Evan. Yes. Uh, you know, he had an interesting take there. You know, he's going to get Nakamura and Ball and kind of start that build between him and Styles. You know, a little interesting twist there. I think it's a little too soon, though. That's that's just my personal opinion. I think it's a little too soon to start that build because I wouldn't start that build until after Nakamura wins the Royal Rumble. That's I, just I my that- personal I think a lot of people would agree that's, you know, probably where they would that's where they will go towards us. I mean, that's what they would like to see. I just want to go back to our weekly review show. Man, I was very surprised at the non-reaction to Nakamura from the casuals. Uh, they have some serious work to do to rebuild him there, if, you know, when they eventually go in that direction, if they do. So How do you got this match going, brother. Well, number one, I have the Singh brothers barred from ringside. We did that in the pre-show. You do have them gone. I have this match going about 17 minutes with AJ Styles going over in a very hard-fought victory. I just have this being a classic AJ Styles. I'm going to carry Jinder Mahal to a four-star match. Look at how fucking good I am. AJ Styles match. Uh, I do like this thing going 15 plus minutes. I want to tell a few stories in this match myself. I, I, I want gender to look legit, but still lose. I, I, I feel you on that. And I'm going in that same direction. I think I'm just taking a, a different path to get there. Uh, again, you, you know, you had, you have them banned from ringside. Uh, I was going to actually at some point have early, I want early in the match. I want, 
the gender we've known up to this point. I want dirty Ginger Mahal. Uh, they're going to try to cheat, and it's going to constantly backfire. Uh, and maybe he gets so frustrated with them uh, and their mishaps early, not working for him. Maybe you have him get a little cocky, and he is either yelling at them, and they leave, or he just flat out tells them, get the hell out of here. I'm sick of you. I'm done with you. Get out of here. Uh, then he tries some other dirty hand at Texas, but he cannot put Styles away. Uh, the frustration is there. Uh, then you have AJ in the ring just kind of saying, hey, man, come show me what you really got. If you're a champ, you say this, come get it. Then we get probably you have that kind of that, that first story happen for seven, eight minutes or so. Then we go with a good 10 to 12 minute wrestling clinic. We, we get the best Jinder Mahal we've ever seen because we know that AJ can get that out of him. Yep, I want Jinder to get over in this match as a monster heel, but still have AJ retain. I, I got a little bit of a rib going on in, in my finish here. Uh, I want Jinder to actually eventually, you know, to start earning the respect. Uh, my, it's going to be a little bit of rib towards Triple H and what he thought he was accomplishing in India. Uh, except this time I'm going to do it with who the Western fans will recognize as probably a greater sign of respect. In AJ Styles, AJ goes over, but afterwards there is a show of respect, something between the two. I, I, he's not going to be kissing, kissing asses, kissing feet, kissing hands, uh, but there will be some sort of, uh, you know, maybe it's just eye contact, maybe it's a head nod, maybe it is a handshake. AJ goes over. He is the the champion of champions that we know he is, but we're going to start seeing. The evolution of Ginger Mahal, that character is going to begin its change here. Uh, maybe a much humbler start appreciating more of the opportunities he's had, you know, the hard work that he's put in, be a little bit more grateful for where he's at in this company. If you put Bobby Roode over in the U.S. title match, could you see Ginger Mahal versus Bobby Roode for the U.S. title at like a WrestleMania? Well, you know, this this actually could work. We go back to to what Will had mentioned. If you could turn Rude in that match, and I've got here where Jinder is slowly getting that slow burn turn, maybe those two could line up and work out for that U.S. championship match. I feel like that's where I want Jinder Mahal right now. I feel like that's the role that Jinder Mahal should be in right now. I, I would say for weeks you've been really pushing to get Jinder into that U.S. title picture. Because I'm not out on Jinder Mahal. I, I think Jinder is a fine talent, and I think Jinder has a lot of potential to evolve into that money-making talent that they want Jinder Mahal to be. I just think they hot-shotted him to the top way too soon. He wasn't well, ready for it. Now, let's take a deep breath. Let's go back. We're a year away from the next India tour. Let's take a step back. Let's really build this thing and see what we can do. I uh, agree wholeheartedly. You know, they, they hot shot at him where he should have started going for that U.S. championship and then built uh, towards a potential main eventer. But, you know, in typical fashion, they, they tried to to just go overboard with everything right away, and it kind of backfired on them. And like we said, the Indian people are smart enough. They want to cheer the good guys. If you want to gender to be presented as a babyface in India – then let's start that slow turn into turning him into the United States champion that everybody wants. 
and make him into a babyface in India and then see what in the hell happens. If you present him as a douchebag on TV, the Indian people still aren't going to cheer him. You know why? Because he's a douchebag. They're not going to cheer him just because he's Indian. you got to have a good character, too. Okay, well, it seems then like, hey, we both, uh, all three of us, actually, uh, when we throw Evan in there, we all have styles going over, uh, some different some different direction from each of us. Uh, but you and I both agree that coming out of this, eventually gender needs to be... You have to present gender strong. Even in AJ going over. strong and in a positive light. Yep. So let's move on to the main event. And I, I, I feel the need to apologize here for our friend Money McIver. Uh, evidently, we weren't clear enough for Mr. McIver. Uh, and he recorded things in UK time. Uh, evidently, hey, I, you know, we, we tell people, you know, we want like a two minute clip and MacGyver sends us a six minute clip. And the only thing that could possibly explain this is one minute in the United States is actually three minutes in the UK. It's kind of like that whole pounds and dollars and centimeters and inches. And he just doesn't understand the conversion rate. Hey, hey, trip boys, put your shovel away. Okay. We're talking about our boy money. You know, he does things larger than like. You know what you asking for two? No, nah, he ain't he ain't settling there, man. I'm surprised we didn't get an entire 45 minute program on this one match. All right, from the funny man. All right, let's kick it over to the Kenny Omega of the internet wrestling community, one Mister Money McIver. Hello, you bunch of filthy, dirty marks. My name is James McIver, and you may recognize me as Money McIver. But for the sake of the hitting the marks podcast. I'll just be known as James. Now, Rick has kindly offered me one of the biggest bastard booking options that he could give me in this special edition of Hitting the Marks Booking by the Pool, which, by the way, if you're from my neck of the woods, is more like booking next to the Ice Age. Now, I was given Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura with Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan as the special guest referees. Now, this whole story comes around from way back before SummerSlam, or around about SummerSlam, where Kevin Owens lost his United States Championship match with AJ Styles at SummerSlam because of Shane McMahon and him making the decision to, paint, to count the three. Ever since then, Kevin Owens has been affronted by Shane McMahon. He's made it his campaign to tear Shane McMahon down to prove him to be not as he says he is. Yet Shane McMahon has tried to deal with this. Now, he hasn't had the best luck with Kevin Owens. He's had his dad beat up by Kevin Owens. He lost to Kevin Owens at Hell in a Cell because of Sami Zayn. And every opportunity he has had to sack Kevin Owens or to punish Kevin Owens, his GM has been the voice of reason and changed the situation to suit the brand, to suit SmackDown Live brand, which is fair enough. Daniel Bryan being the voice of reason. And it shows itself again in this tag team match with Shane McMahon hoping to sack Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens by seeing them lose to Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura. Whereas Daniel Bryan is there as the voice of reason to make sure everything is called down the line. Now, I have an opinion on what could happen in this match. It's nice and straightforward. There are many things you could do in this match. Does Shane McMahon screw Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? Does Daniel Bryan help Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and screw Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura? Is there another way that this ends clean? Does this have a non-finish? Well, in my opinion, 
I think there's a mix of a couple of those things. There's a couple of mixes of those options. I certainly see in this match a very tight affair. I think there's going to be a lot of play between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon, maybe arguing over certain decisions, not agreeing on everything, maybe trying to decide who's going to count the fall, things like that. But I want to shoot all the way straight to the finish of this match. And the way I see this finishing is a double pinfall situation. You have Sami Zayn pinning Randy Orton on one side, Shinsuke Nakamura pinning Kevin Owens on the other side. Shane McMahon counts Shinsuke, Daniel Bryan counts Sami Zayn. One, two, three, both at the same time. The bell rings, both guys' arms are raised. Now, I don't say that has been the end of the match. I think there's going to be more to it than that. I think there's going to be a little bit of bickering between Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan again, as would likely have been going through the match, and then the match be restarted. And in the middle of all this bickering, I can see a situation where Daniel Bryan gets shoved into Shane McMahon to eliminate him from the match, just by some kind of, inverted commas, accident by Sami Zayn. Then a swift double team manoeuvre of some kind or some kind of screwy finish from Owens and Zayn where they kind of weasel their way to a pinfall victory where Daniel Bryan begrudgingly counts one, two, three. The main thing for me is the dynamic between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. This has been building for several days, well, several weeks, sorry, and how this comes about and what's going to do to... The Royal Rumble. This has Royal Rumble implications. And you want to see that storyline build and build and build. I certainly see Daniel Bryan being on the side of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn eventually. Will this happen at Clash of Champions? I don't think it will. I think there's some more seeds to be planted. It's certainly going that direction. A lot of people may want to see a swerve with Shane McMahon siding with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I just don't like that. I'm not a big fan of that. I think this only furthers Shane's lust for vengeance. To get one over on Kevin Owens, he's had enough. He wants to get rid of them for good. And could potentially cost Shane McMahon his job. Which I would be interested to see. Would he be willing to put his career, put his position in jeopardy just to get one over on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? I like that dynamic. I like that idea of that dynamic. And this match should be the kind of culmination of what's gone on so far and the beginning of some turns that would be very interesting to see. I don't see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn losing at all. I don't see the need of Shinsuke and Randy Orton winning. But in that double finish, there's a lot of things that get done. A big win for Kevin Owens, a big win for Shinsuke, sorry, over Kevin Owens, a big win for Zane over Randy Orton, both at the same time, make them look stronger into the Rumble. They look like serious contenders for the Rumble this year. And then at the end, you can complete that section of the story by having Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn squeeze their way to a win, which is a nice clean cut finish maybe you agree maybe you disagree why don't you shut up nah i'm joking this is a very interesting match and the the results of what could happen are even more interesting i hope it goes that way i might be wrong something might go elsewhere but let's see how it goes but for now thanks for having me on and from very icy cold scotland i've been james mciver and i'll chat to you again soon ciao
See, after, but he doesn't tell us who makes the pin or nothing. Yeah, after after false finishes, he's got a lot going on. Uh, Sammy and KO keep their jobs. God damn it, Money MacGyver. He's got shit all over the place. All right, Rick, how do you see this thing going down? Man, I have got some craziness happening here. Um, we'll, we'll go back. Uh, I guess I'll just revisit quickly what I had going on in the pre-show. You know, we've got some questions coming up that we're going to see run throughout this, throughout the class champions, you know, but it all started with pre-show. We had that initial meeting where maybe Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan, they are not on the same page now. And maybe they're, they're starting to reach that boiling point. You know, one's trying to, uh, to, to outdo the other. Uh, they're making decisions without consulting one another. But at the end of the night, Shane wanted KO and Sammy fired. Uh, then we saw during that pre-show, Shane was attacked. He was found unconscious in his dressing room, office, uh, whatever it be. Uh, it was obviously an attack. We have no idea who's done that, but it, it seems that he is out of action. Uh, then we get word that there is a family emergency. Uh, Brian cannot reach anyone via telephone. He is forced to leave the arena. Right now, we are left with without a guest referee. Uh, so the question is, how are we handling this going forward? And they probably tease that through a few matches as the show begins. Uh, halfway through the show, though, we get word that Shane McMahon is going to tough it out. Uh, the uh, medical staff, they're kind of against it. They don't think he should be out there. But Shane is Shane O'Mac. He is the trooper. He is committed to his position, committed to doing the job. He is going to be officiating this match. So we do have one of our, our guest referees available. If you were looking at your camera, you would see me sitting here shaking my head right now to you putting over, you know, oh, Shane's going to tough it out. God, well, I, I hate that shit. I, I am pitching it. I am pitching it just like you're going to hear it on the show. Yep. That's what they're going to give you. Yep. Uh, then we have the match begin. We, we've got the, the two the two great teams, four great talents in there. Uh, they're, ready to, they're ready to get it on. During the early parts of this match, we are going to see, uh, I wouldn't call it favoritism towards Orton and Nakamura, but it's going to be quite obvious the disdain that, that Shane has towards Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. We're going to have that there. Uh, my other big turn in this match, I mean, this thing has been overbooked from the beginning. I'm just going to go ahead and keep that trend going. Daniel Bryan's going to reemerge, and he is coming into the arena. He is hot. He is pissed. He gets into the ring immediately. The, the announce team has no idea what's going on. He gets in the ring immediately and swings Shane McMahon's uh, shoulders around so that they're facing one another, pushes him, and says, you did this, you son of a bitch. You planned this out. Uh, what we're going to have is this ended up, there was no attack on Shane. It was just he laid it out like he was attacked, and he sent in word for a fake emergency to get Daniel Bryan out of the building. Oh, Shane's uh, we, the one that planted that seed. We have uh, we have the match continuing. Those two are continuing to arguing. So we've got the match itself and kind of a, a head-to-head between the referees. Uh, we're, then we're going to get another swerve here. Uh, it looks like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they are mounting. They, they got that momentum in their favor. They're, they're going to pick this thing up. Nakamura, uh, and they are going to have to. This is going to take some tricky timing. This is, goes into maybe the illusion of violence is just as effective. I'm going to trust these two guys to do this. Nakamura is going to throw Daniel Bryan into the corner 
where he's got his head up against the turnbuckle, uh, probably the middle turnbuckle, and land a massive knee or kick to the head of Daniel Bryan. Uh-oh. I am going double turns here. Oh, man, you're doing all kinds of turns here. I'm doing double turns. Uh, that is going to then lead into Nakamura and Randy Orton, Randy Orton getting the win. Shane counting the three, getting his way. Nakamura and Orton are turning. Uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, it's still kind of unclear. You know, they you have the sympathy for them, but guess what? They're out the door. They're fired. Interesting. And you still have an unconscious Daniel Bryan laying there. We do not know what is going on. Everything is up in the air. We got a major cliffhanger of what has been an overbooked uh, disaster in my mind. But, hey, we're just going to keep it rolling. So tune in Tuesday to see what we've got in store. Interesting. Uh, the only thing that I really wrote for this match was the finish because I, I very much agree uh, that throughout this entire match, you have to have dissension between Brian and Shane. When you look at this story, who has not in any way, shape or form been featured inside of this program? We know all the emphasis on Shane. We know all the emphasis on Brian. We know what's at potential for Owens and Zane to lose. What's Orton and Nakamura's role in this thing? Uh, really, other than, and I would say probably to a greater extent that we know the anger from Randy Orton towards Zane or Zane, uh, yeah, towards Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens because of their quote unquote betrayal and costing Team SmackDown the match at Survivor Series. He's probably been the most outspoken there. But then he would just have to assume that's also is Nakamura's beef. But, you know, he really hasn't had a role at all in this thing. So after all the tension and all the stress and who's playing who, Randy Orton RKO's Shinsuke Nakamura. Sami Zayn makes the pin. Brian counts. The only one that I have turning tonight is Randy Orton. I want evil dick Randy Orton back, and I want him back tonight. I want him to turn on Shinsuke Nakamura, and that is how Owens and Zayn save their jobs. Not through anything they do, not through anything that Shane does, not through anything Brian does. I want the focus on Randy Orton. Since we started this show, you and I both have been sitting here just baffled how is Randy Orton the star that he is? We've both seen it live. We've been to shows. We've heard the pops. We've seen the merch. Let's build a story around Randy Orton because he's well, a star. What What if, but as you go back to it, he is a star. People like him. We've each seen the pops. They're incredible. We've seen how the merchandise, like you were saying. Why does he need to be the heel? Why not turn Nakamura? Because I don't think Nakamura can carry his weight on the mic. Whereas Randy can. Shinsuke can be the, the, the hero badass who's just kicking the shit out of people. But when it comes time to talk shit, Randy's the one that's got to be the one that carries that well, program on the mic. See, well, I was thinking in mine, in my scenario, uh, with and I had, I had more of it being about Nakamura going heel, or maybe Randy's just by association. Because until now, between now and the Rumble, I want to, I want to really start getting into Randy versus Nakamura as those two top cont contenders coming into the Rumble for SmackDown. But I thought as a heel Nakamura, aligning himself with Shane, he does have a voice there. 
He's got the boss speaking for him. And anytime you're tied in with the McMahon, like it or not, you are in a spotlight program. See, whereas I'm presenting the program as what's really going on in the real world. Randy Orton versus all you fucking indie guys. I'm sick of Kevin Owens. I'm sick of Sami Zayn. I'm sick of Daniel Bryan. And I am definitely sick of Shinsuke fucking Nakamura. Randy Orton's been leading the charge of this WWE versus the Indies thing. Let's put it on TV. Dot, 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 dive. My only thing there is, though, but he's saving two of the biggest indie marks in doing this turn here. And he's ultimately screwing over Shane McMahon, who represents. Yeah, because Randy doesn't want Owens and Zane gone. He wants to kill them. He wants I, to ruin their careers. I can see you there. I just think to me it would be more about Randy just wanting to get rid of people. No, I th- I, I want to see Randy Orton versus the indie guys. That's the story I want to see. As much uh, as Randy is a dick to all the IWC marks on Twitter, as big of a dick as Randy has been to Owens on Twitter and this whole dot, 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 dive conspiracy bullshit, let's put it on TV. Let's make Randy Orton the WWE I am a fucking legend. Who do you think you are? You should. You belong in a bingo hall. Put uh, it on if TV. That, if that is the case, I definitely need a follow-up segment either on the immediately following, the SmackDown immediately following Clash, or within two weeks, I need a segment where he has Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. He explains to them why he did this. Yep, the he cliffhanger is why, Randy, why? Okay, but... I want him to handcuff them to something. I, I'm, I'm thinking it's in the ring. I want them backstage, like to a boiler or something, handcuffed. They can't move, and he is just laying waste to them with a chair. Have Orton lay them all this. out tonight. Have Orton lay them all out. RKO, RKO, RKO. Orton picks up Sammy's dead, lifeless body and pins fucking Nakamura I, I, and leaves. I want, I want vicious, calculated attacks where he systematically takes them apart one by one following this event. I, I want the Viper. It has to be him, cerebral. Absolutely. And, and, and I want, especially if the main point is to get with him and Nakamura, get to that program, then make Nakamura wait. Don't let him just go right after it. Make him fear that the Viper is, is hunting him. It's interesting. So that's our uh, lineup for Clash of Champions, as well as some of your guys' thoughts on Clash of Champions. Uh, that'll do it for this edition. We'll be back in your ear holes tomorrow on hackerhameen.podbean.com in the locker room, breaking down all the results from Clash of Champions. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. Make sure that you visit our support system every day over at thegorillaposition.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, where do the stalkers find you? As always, I uh, can be found on Twitter at TheRealRPV. I'd like to encourage everyone to head on over to the Hameen Media Discussion Group on Facebook. Uh, still time to get your get your selections in for the Pick'em Challenge. Uh, all tonight's matches laid out there for you. You pick the winners. Show us how confident you are now. We've got some bonus questions. You'll be competing against uh, up to 50 other of our great members uh, to see how you stack up. Also, later on tonight during the Clash of Champions event, make sure to join us in that same very group 
the Hami Media Discussion Group for Acer's live discussion thread. Uh, we're going to have a lot of great takes and insight going on. Uh, and of course, leading up to the event, make sure you are checking out thegrillposition.com uh, for all the daily exclusives that will be happening on their fine, fine site. So that's going to do it for us for today. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f-